And I'm Grant. Uh, before we get started, make sure you subscribe so that you are notified of any new episodes. Share the link so that other people can discover uh, the amazingness that is this podcast. Uh, follow us uh, at The Atypical Rainbow on Facebook and Instagram for updates on new episodes and some interesting articles that we may post from time to time. And do check out our back catalogue. If you like overanalyzing things, so do we. So feel free to check us out and see other ways in which we overanalyze everything. This is another episode in the series, the ARAV Club, where we take a unique atypical rainbow perspective on um, bodies of media that either have recently been released, or maybe we'll do a bit of a deep dive into some older stuff. Today, we're going to talk about music, the movie written and directed by Sia. Um, we are not here to provide a review on the quality of the movie, but woof, is it terrible. Uh, <laughs> what we want to do is we want to look at the un- issues that we understand or we are uniquely equipped to have a perspective on. Let's start with the elephant in the room. For anyone who's read anything about music, you will have heard about the restraint scene. Well, the restraint scenes. There is two restraint scenes where... Basically, Music's sister is being taught how to restrain her in order to calm her down. And the way she's taught to restrain Music is face down, pinning her to the ground, holding her arms. Now, I went into Music purposely without reading any of this. Um, I had vaguely heard about it from you. But in the last 24 hours since watching it, I have done some research. And the main concern around face-down restraint in this manner and used as a way to assist someone in sort of this situation is that if you do this, it is quite dangerous. It can hurt them, it can make them even more upset and apparently has even caused suffocation and death. So the concern around the movie is that people would see this and then see an autistic person possibly in danger of harming themselves, and out of good intentions would restrain the autistic person in this way and could hurt or even kill them. So there seems to be a lot of concern around people seeing the movie music and then mimicking this behaviour. So apparently it's meant to be cut out of future screenings, though... So far, it does not seem to have been cut out. And there's also going to be a warning placed on it saying, do not do this. Yeah, I don't see how you'd cut it out, though, because it's meant to be part of this emotional beat. Admittedly, the movie is such a hodgepodge of storylines. It's possible that they could cut it out without any impact, and I don't even realise. Yeah, I think they could They could cut it out. Like, the first time he comes and sort of embraces her, and if you cut from, like, their... To him then doing her hair, that would probably be fine. And then skipping the next And the scene second entirely. time you could basically just go to the point where she has the freak out and then basically cut it so that then the lesson is that she was overwhelmed um, and that's what caused the meltdown. And then it seems like they've removed her from the environment instead of restraining her face down in the middle of a park. Yeah, so sorry, three minutes in, we should probably explain the basic plot of the movie for those of you who actually have have never heard of this movie and have no intention of seeing it. So there is a a young woman named Music, played by Maddie Ziegler, who has an unspecified degree of autism. Um, 
but she has uh, in she's my, non-verbal she's non-verbal but and not able to be independent even though i assume she's of an age where she would normal like where uh, like a level one or like asperger's autistic person would be able to live independently yeah but she's reasonably high functioning in a number of ways but the story goes that her primary carer being her grandmother passes away and her um alcoholic uh, life is a mess sister played by kate hudson has to take care of her and so because she's the only remaining relative yeah because the mother is also dead yeah, and so it's about, um, uh, the sister's name is Zoo, and it's about her journey in learning, learning from music about how to be responsible and how to be an adult and how to appreciate the world. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, inspiration porn and the magical disabled person a bit later. Uh, but so part of the journey of Zoo learning how to be a carer is about how to manage uh, music when she is having a um, meltdown related to her autism, which then leads to this restraint scene that we see. So uh, what's interesting about the origins of this scene is that apparently Sia did consult a therapist. Uh, so someone who worked in the field and who advised her that this was part of practice. As uh, a doctor working in this field, I can tell you it is not part of Australian practice. Physical restraint is, uh, while I'm not sure it's necessarily illegal, it's certainly avoided in all care settings. Partly because of the injury thing, I would imagine, but also because there are actually better ways of managing um, a person with autism's overload and overwhelming episodes through the use of other measures which are far less invasive and far less harmful. Theoretically, the restraint scene has some sensory basis, not to justify its existence and not to just say that it is an appropriate way of managing it, but we know that with some people with autism, deep pressure can be quite relieving. So that's why we have things like weighted vests, weighted blankets, uh, there's even a weighted snake that you can drape across the neck. And I know as a person with autism that when we bought the weighted snake for our kids, I, I put it on and it was this euphoric sense that overwhelmed me that I got from putting it on. So there is an element of theoretical logic to it, but the scene itself is quite jarring for a number of reasons. And I think the film tries to explain it away it, it, with a few comments. So one of them being that Zoo sees it and becomes upset because she's like, you're hurting her. And then the the character Ebo, played by Leslie Odom Jr., explains that actually he's doing it for her benefit. But he also precedes the action with the term, I'm going to crush you now. And one could argue that's a bit of ESL. It still doesn't sound very good. Um, they also explain it away by him saying that his brother also had... Well, they don't say autism specifically, but he certainly had an intellectual disability, and that's how they managed it back in Ghana. Again, is that the standard we should be holding ourselves to necessarily? Probably not, but there are moments where I think uh, the the writer, Sia, and I can't remember her writing partner, seem to recognise that there is something about that scene and those actions that require justification. Yes. Um, and one of my thoughts when watching it was that... Sometimes when other people see you dealing with an autistic person, it can seem very strange. And they did do that, but you can't ignore the danger of what they're actually doing yeah. in order to make that point. 
Um, but I think we should also, at this point, say that face down, forced restraint, definitely bad. Also, as you said, restraint is not best practice. If someone responds to deep pressure and asks for it in a consensual sort of hugging way, then it may look odd, but that is probably okay. And should also, they should be facing up, not facing down. So we don't want to try to put judgment onto parents who might help their children by laying across them Mm -hmm. because that is, that is fine. It's not something to be done again, like without the explicit consent of the autistic person. So it's not something to be done while they're having a meltdown. It could be designed to do if they are feeling anxious and they find it calming for, especially a parent to do some sort of deep pressure. But that's more of a hug than a restraint. And even then, even in a situation where the person with autism is unable to give consent, uh, whether because they're nonverbal or otherwise, if they are resisting the action of the deep pressure, it is the uh, obligation of the the carer or the person administering that to probably back off, because as we as you said earlier, it may cause more distress. Um, and may make the situation worse, which then can lead to physical injury and potentially death. So there are there are limits to these sorts of things. So I think again, you know, this concept has a basis in logic, but you have to be considerate of the individual. Yes, but yeah, I think it's very important to it's a it's a sort of a fine line to walk between saying this was not a good depiction and judging all deep pressure related things. So I just want to make clear that that's why I've been very specific about face down especially is bad yes um, but the best way to think about it is consent like if the person is you know consenting to being touched which is probably true of autistic people or non-autistic people you shouldn't be touching people if they're not consenting it gets a bit different if they're a young child like I had to like hold back Matt from running across like six lanes of traffic but he was three. That's a pretty normal thing to do with a three-year-old. Mm. It wasn't this same thing. And, you know, I wasn't pinning him to the ground. Yeah. And I think looking looking at the particular intent of that scene. So, uh, look, this is conjecture. Of, uh, but I think that the point of including this scene was to highlight the fact that it is difficult being a carer of someone with special needs, particularly someone whose cognition is impaired, right? Because one of the things I I feel was not made explicit was music's level of intellectual disability, because for, for those who aren't aware, you can have autism without intellectual disability. Autism in and of itself does not necessarily make you non-verbal. It's often the, the degree of autism, but often in combination with an intellectual disability. So I think the point of it was to sort of show that being a carer, it's hard to know what the person's need is, particularly if they're non-verbal, and know how to respond to it in a way that is both effective, but also in, to some degree um, acceptable by society. So it was, so in the second time, in the second scene where Zoo was administering this restraint, uh, it was done in the middle of a park. And there were onlookers who I think were, you know, judging what was going on. And the point of it was that sometimes you just got to do what is necessary for the individual. Again, that doesn't justify the restraint. But I think the point that the writer was trying to make could have been made in a less harmful way. 
Yeah, like a situation that I think of, in the, sort of that could have done a much better version of getting that across, is especially fathers of teenage boys with intellectual disabilities, like walking into a public toilet holding the hand of like your fourteen-year-old son. You get some weird looks mm. because people are like, "Why? Why is that man leading that fourteen-year-old into a toilet?" But Sometimes these are the sort of things you just need to do if you're a special needs parent. Mm. And you will get the weird looks, and it is awkward and sad. Yeah. But you have to put their care first. And I think there was much better ways they could have shown that if they wanted to show the people not understanding what she was doing. Mm, For sure. Uh, One of the other big issues that arose from this movie was the casting of Maddie Ziegler. So, once again, a little bit of background. Sia is the musician uh, most famous for the song Chandelier. And Maddie Ziegler has been her, I wouldn't say protege per se, but certainly her favoured music video dancer. So, Maddie Ziegler is featured in a number of Sia's music videos. Um, and so, one would have to assume that there was an element of nepotism in there. In fact, I think in one article I read, Sia did admit that she hired Maddie out of nepotism. One of the biggest criticisms of Maddie's performance was the stereotypical nature of it. So, Maddie would spend a lot of time, you know, rocking her body around. She would, her eyes would wander. She would make a sort of a goofy grin kind of face. And it was all a little bit cliched. I feel like she actually did an okay job with what she had because I certainly have seen many a patient with autism and intellectual disability, let's be clear here, um, who have presented in a similar sort of manner. I, as a, as a, um, nitpicky person with autism and a doctor took more issue with the fact that her level of ability was inconsistent. I think that she was meant to be someone with probably level 2 or level 3 autism and moderate intellectual disability, but she had quite a number of capabilities that I think would undermine that. Admittedly, it's called a spectrum for a reason, is that the your level of ability and the, the difficulties that arise from the autism as well as the intellectual disability will vary from individual to individual. But I think there was just something about her portrayal that just didn't quite ring true to me, not because it was stereotypical, but because I think because it was inconsistent. Mm-hmm. See, I think that going back to our previous episodes, if, if you haven't listened to that, you should li- listen to that with a prom where we talked about stereotypical performances by someone who isn't part of a minority. I think that people did who people did feel mocked by the performance. Um, I found people comparing it to a bully copying the movements and actions of a autistic person rather than a believable depiction of autism. And I do wonder whether the knowledge that she was not, she didn't have autism had a similar effect to our knowledge about James Corden playing a very typical gay character while not actually being gay. And look, the, what we also have to remember is the creative intent itself. So the point of this movie, or at least the, the intent they were trying to portray, but portrayed poorly was that, 
a person with autism sees the world in a different way. Uh, not that they see it in a wrong way, or but their behaviours are a reflection of something... Uh, they, they might have a rich internal world, I think is really the intent there. And what they were trying to um, portray with her inner world would not have been achievable with someone who genuinely had level 2 or level 3 autism and mild or moderate intellectual disability. So from a movie-making process, it wasn't practical for them to have hired someone who, who met those criteria. But at the same time, though, I think different people took different things away from it because there... I can't remember the name of the actual group, but there was a, the National Group for Severe Autism, I think, in America, actually supported the movie. They said they, they supported the fact that it was trying to bring to light the issues around autism. But it was others who felt it was mockery because what I think... The problem is, is that, again, autism is a spectrum. Labelling music's uh, presentation exclusively as autism does not reflect the entire spectrum. Which is why, for me, I take, I take issue with the fact that they didn't elaborate on her level of intellectual disability, which was probably the thing that affected her outward, outward appearance more so, or, or at least equally, as the autism part of her presentation. Yeah. Like, I'd be interested to know what group that was. Because there, there are some groups, especially in America, who their names imply they are advocates for autism, but have very questionable behaviours. Oh, fair enough. I haven't, I, I haven't looked into it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's, that's entirely possible. But again, I would say that from my own experience, her presentation wasn't... Like, the way she performed it wasn't out of the norm. For, again, for level 2 or 3 autism with intellectual disability. Like, let's be very clear about that. So, it's, she, she does not represent all people with autism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, see, what I find interesting is, I think it does seem to matter what degree of autism is being portrayed. So, let's think about um, Atypical. So, the TV show. So, Keir Gilchrist, who plays uh, the main character, Sam, in Atypical, he himself does not have autism. Mm-hmm. But... His main character, his character probably has level one, level two autism spectrum disorder without intellectual disability. Yeah. And it's meant to be a comedy. We're kind of laughing at him, kind of laughing with him, right? I'd say dramedy. Yeah, dramedy. All right, let's, let's, the, the modern, the half hour dramedy is a very modern conceit. But the point is that, I don't look, maybe, maybe there was an uproar. I don't know. I certainly didn't hear as much about Atypical. As what I heard about Atypical before watching it was fairly positive from the community. Yeah. Right? But no one no one focuses on the fact that he is portraying what would actually be quite a typical person with autism. The, the obsessiveness, the rigidity, the social awkwardness. Knowing the fact that he himself does not have autism. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas there's uh, another show called Everything's Gonna Be Okay... Um, the actress Kayla Cromer portrays a character who has autism, uh, and she herself does have autism too. So, and that's been celebrated, and that is certainly a positive thing. But again, it depends on what your intent is when exploring the character. So, in in her in her show, you know, they did want to explore the uh, difficulties that come with being a female teenager who has autism, about leaving home, about trying to achieve your dreams, about the anxiety that comes with it, about trying to have your, you know, the social experiences, like losing your virginity. So, in a way, you know, that that informed her character. Um, and so, that, that was kind of beneficial, but 
was it really necessary? Does it was it uh, crucial that she had autism in order to portray it? When we know that other people in other roles have been able to portray autism in a way that is positive, like atypical. Yes, I think in a previous episode we did talk about the fact that in Parenthood, the showrunner had a child with autism, even though the actor who was betraying the autistic boy did not have autism. Mm. So I think maybe it comes down to more whether someone in charge has an understanding. Like, it feels like that didn't happen with music, that they didn't have enough people who had a, I guess, a lived experience, which is something that comes up with um, the National Disability Scheme that there's concern that the people who are running it in Australia don't have enough people who have lived experience. Mm. Um, so lived experience is kind of important in many things, not just in movies. Yeah. But, like, in Parenthood, I don't think there was any controversy about a non-autistic actor playing an autistic child because the showrunner knew what was realistic and what was a fair portrayal. So I think that that wasn't an issue. Whereas in music, it feels like they just brought a per- one person in to just sort of have a quick look over it. And that person turned out to not represent best practices. Well, so that's, that's going back to the restraint thing. I, I think we're focusing on the portrayal for a second, though. I would actually argue that all the characters that we mentioned where the, where the response has been positive, they all had lower level autism and, and in the absence of intellectual disability. Whereas um, in this situation, I think she had an intellectual disability, which is what made it feel like it was a mockery, even though it probably, I, in my opinion, I think t- to some degree, it can reflect the higher levels of autism when intellectual disability is present. So it depends on what you're taking issue with. Is it is it accurate of all people with autism? No, absolutely not, right? But is it accurate of a certain group of people who have autism and intellectual disability? I think it's pretty close to it. It doesn't get it right precisely, in my opinion. Um, but I think that it does... You know, a lot of the behaviours that she was portraying, I have certainly seen in patients with... That a certain level of autism and intellectual disability. Yeah, I think it comes down to that idea that if if a group, in this case, will say people have more severe autism than you, mm. felt mocked, do we just accept that they felt mocked? It is tough because, firstly, people with that level of autism may not really understand that to mm-hmm. any great degree. And that's that doesn't mean there should be a target uh, by any means. But the other thing is that how do we then get this story out there that isn't a documentary? You know, if we want to be able to tell a story about someone's experience with level 2 or level 3 autism and intellectual disability, how far are we allowed to go? And what is what is the pra- and what about the practical parts of it? You know, mm. trying. I don't. I don't know the ins and outs of filming per se, but I imagine you know some days of filming can last hours and hours and hours. Well, see, according to Sia, she did try to work with an autistic actress. The autistic actress became distressed. Oh, okay. So people say trying one person then giving up, weird. But there's also the conspiracy theory that the part was written, as you said, for her protege. Yeah. 
so that Sia got the outcome she wanted anyway. Yeah. So it could be just a red herring that she tried with an autistic person, but we don't know. So that's what Sia said. Mm -hmm. She said that she did try working with an autistic actress, but the autistic actress became agitated and was upset Yeah. about the process. Yeah. Um, I almost feel like neurotypical people can play level one. So maybe level one people can play level two and level two people can play level three. But then that's not necessarily a reflection of the portrayal. That's a reflection of the person having the pre-existing condition. So, is, I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, we talked about this in the prom. It, if it informs the performance, sure. But I don't know if having level two autism necessarily gives you a greater ability to portray a person with level 3 autism with any greater accuracy. Because it all looks like mockery, I would say. Because all the physical stuff. As soon as you take away the person's ability to communicate their, their emotions or their intentions, then it just becomes the physical part of it, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I would say that I don't think that's necessarily achievable, no matter what your background is. Yeah. The other one I think of is Rain Man, where I'm fairly sure Rain Man was a portrayal based on a single individual. Yeah, okay. Whereas, maybe that's where music went wrong. Maybe they should have found a real person and then done the portrayal based on the a specific person. And then maybe it would have seemed less stereotypical. Yeah, so maybe based on a true story rather than trying to create this fictionalized version of a person with autism to suit a narrative that they were trying yeah, to. Yeah, but doesn't actually it doesn't even have to be based on a true story. Just I think because I think with Rain Man it was based on a a boy, so it wasn't even the same age. Oh, okay. I like, but I believe this is was in Neurotripes. Um, so it was a few years ago that I read it, but I, I believe that um, sort of you know how they talk about actors like going and working in a supermarket before they play some yeah. of the supermarket. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like that. So he went and he spent a lot of time with this boy who had autism to learn how to accurately portray a person with autism. So maybe that's where a future project could go in order not to end up in the same situation as music. But even Rain Man was, um, has been criticised. I do wonder if Rain Man was brought out now, whether it would have more criticism. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't think that Rain Man... I don't think the autistic community had as many voices as many and as much advocacy when Rain Man came out. True, yeah. They're probably just happy that he wasn't in an institution for the entire movie. Maybe. Stage. Maybe. I mean, even in the 80s, the term autism and sort of what people thought of autism was still building, you mm. know, in yeah. America particularly. Even though autism as a diagnosis has been around since World War Two, I think it was. Yeah, I think the yeah the early studies. I don't know if they called it autism, but yeah, it was definitely pre World War Two. Yeah, because there was a lot of stuff with the war changing how they were treated. Yeah, in Austria, some people have said that the existence of Rain Man at least puts the autism on the map, but mm-hmm. its portrayal itself may still not necessarily be the most accurate. Or again, as, as like with music, is not reflective of the entire autistic community. Mm-hmm. Um. Look, it's. I, I think it's. I think it's hard. I think that if you go, if you're a person with autism and you're going into music thinking that you're going to be represented, you you're likely not going to be. Mm-hmm. That's that's the reality. You're better off watching something like your yeah, atypical 
um, to, to sort of see yourself up there, or everything's going to be okay. It's, you know, to see, um, you know, someone like you up on the screen. Yes. Um, and I guess that does bring us to our other kind of autistic point about the movie, which is, was music even a character? Yeah, look, the the biggest issue that I think we, we both had with the movie was that it really lost its way. There were so many plot threads that were very loosely connected, but and there was some moments that you kind of saw, all right, the point, the, it's about um, exploring music's inner world and about, um, you know, learning how to look after someone with autism, but... Uh, ultimately, she ended up being a bit of a MacGuffin. There is a, a, a show we've talked about a lot in previous episodes called Speechless, which is amazing and got sadly cancelled after three seasons, about a young man with cerebral palsy who was non-verbal but had no intellectual disability. Mm. And one of the episodes deals with the concept of inspiration porn, which I think you actually explained much better than I did. So yeah, so inspiration porn is the idea that a person with a disability does a completely normal thing and everyone's like, wow, you're so brave. Like, you're so brave to turn up to school in your wheelchair. Yes. It's like, yeah, it's something that no one else would even acknowledge. And I think we talked about the idea of um, how the parents were trying to find the right way to react to him going on a date. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That it's not, it shouldn't be super special that he went on a date as opposed to anyone else going on a date. Yes. Where, so, yeah, inspiration porn, like, I think um, the episode that I particularly remember, I think it came up a number of times, but one was, like, he was running for, like, student... No, was he running for student council, or was people running for student council based on how much, how, like, close a friend they were to him or No, something? you've mixed up a bunch of different episodes. So, in the, in the opening, in the pilot, he gets nominated for president, even though no one knows who he is, because mm-hmm. purely because he has a disability. There was a second episode where a um, there was an essay competition and some random stranger claimed to be JJ's friend and how inspiring he was. Um, and he won the competition, even though his brother gave a much more honest portrayal, which is that sometimes JJ was a jerk. <laughs> because he's a person first. He's not just there to inspire people to be, you know, better, better human beings. Yeah. So, whereas music, the character in the movie... Is, is closer to what is colloquially referred to as the magical black man. Uh, where, you know, her only purpose was to um, impart some sort of wisdom and to make everyone realise, uh, you know, how how to live their life in a better, um, wiser kind of way. So yeah. she was very much um, a plot point rather than a character who we wanted to explore, uh, you know, her, mm. the, the inner mind of. And, you know, when, when we did explore her inner world, it was a seer fever dream full of um, overt facial expressions and bright colours and, you know, uh, interpretive dancing. Yes. So, yeah, like, I came out of it feeling like, yeah, she did, she wasn't really a character. She wasn't portrayed as a person. She was just portrayed as a way to make, especially um, Zoo, a better person. Just by her sheer presence. <laughs> yeah. There was even a point, and this is this is going to be a bit contentious, but there was a point towards the end of the movie, and this is not a spoiler because really there's nothing to spoil in this movie, where Zoo realises, or at least believes, that she is not emotionally 
or physically uh, able to look after music. Right? Yes, because she doesn't have a job and is an alcoholic. <laughs> right, and is also a drug dealer. Let's let's throw that in there. And, and puts herself in danger because her drug dealer frequently threatens her life throughout the entire movie, right? So she, um, she explores the possibility of having music live in a group home. Right. Uh, the group home looks kind of hospitally and sterilizy, and it's 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 not great. But it's not put the the place itself isn't portrayed as some sort of institution. You know, the mm-hmm. the person who's involved seems to care and seems to want to look after music's best needs and has an understanding of things. But music's going to get her own room. Yep. Um, they do they do admit they're underfunded, but most similar situate uh, similar places. institutions and places would admit they're underfunded. Yeah. Um, but then the end message seems to be for Zoo, no, um, I can't leave her in a place like that. Uh, I will, I will look after her. Ignoring the fact that once again, she has no job, she's an alcoholic and she's a drug dealer. So not only did it portray this, um, this group home as being some terrible place that needed to be avoided, it also seemed to imply that, you know, the, the love, the love of a person with disability will overcome anything and... Like, don't get me wrong, plenty of movies talk about the power of love, but this just felt kind of poorly thought out and almost malicious against a system that can actually... Well, at least in Australia, I don't know about America, but at least in Australia, can be really positive. There are Mm. some wonderful disability support workers out there. There are some really good houses and really great organisations all about supporting the person with disability, and it just felt like a bit of a slap in the face to me. Yes, And there was another character who kind of lived across the road and it seemed like his only, the only meaning in his life was to like, look at her. (laughs) Yeah. And and interact with her a little bit. Yeah. He was underserved. Hashtag justice with Felix. It was, um, he was a very underserved character who in the end, like was given a half-hearted separate plotline, which it had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Like he was, he was a dancer who was forced to be a boxer, and then at the very end, spoiler alert, gets manslaughtered, and then no one notices, no one acknowledges that he is dead. Like it's just, it was so, it was so bizarre. And at the end, the happy ending is that music gets a dog that he ordered online. Yes, that he ordered online before his death, just like just before his death, oh. he ordered a dog, and he served his purpose in life, and he died. Um, yeah, it, again, it's just, it's just not a very good movie. I mean, putting aside all the other autism related problems, it's just not very well written, but back to the, back to the point is that, yeah, music as a character isn't, you know, isn't very well explored and you can kind of say, I could see what they were trying to do. I just don't think they did it well. Well, what do you think they were trying to do, if you had to put it into a sentence? I think what they were trying to do was to give us insight into the life of someone with uh, level 2 or level 3 autism with intellectual disability um, and the impact it has on the people around them. So, looking at carer burnout, I think that would have been you know, full of drama. I think mm. that's a, that's an excellent source of drama to mine, you know, how a per- how a carer's life can be really impacted, how their personal life gets shoved aside, the um, the conflicts that happen between family members about how to look after someone with an intellectual disability. Like, I see that kind of stuff at work all the time, and I think you could mine that for drama, for sure. It didn't have to be about 
drug dealing or um or there was a random seer cameo in the middle of all of it like why i mean the, the whole project was probably pretty self-indulgent but that seemed especially self-indulgent um but there were just there's just a lot of um conflict and a lot of emotion that is part of looking after someone with a disability i think they could have explored that so much better but they didn't instead they went with some hokey plotline about secret desires to be a dancer or uh, an uh, underserved plotline about living with HIV. Like, there was HIV in this movie, which, again, is an interesting topic in and of itself. But it was just kind of a, a side thing. Like, it was a barrier to um, delay the, the main characters um, non, without disability from falling in love. Like, it just, it just didn't take the opportunities where it could have. Yes. And the magic of music made them fall in love. Yes. Indeed. Um, but yeah, there, there was, every now and then, this weird thing with um, the price of pharmaceuticals. <laughs> like, the Sia cameo was about the fact that it was easier to get a drug dealer to give them pain relief for people, like, who have been injured in a hurricane or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, it was easier for the character with HIV to get his meds from a drug dealer. Yeah. Than actually through the system. Mm. So I feel like Sia was kind of wanted to do about disability, but also kind of got lost in anger at the American healthcare system. Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, it just, it was just a bit odd. Mm. I guess if you're a drug dealer, you might feel better about yourself. (laughs) If there really is a celebrity who wants to buy all your pain relief to send it to children in need in the third world. Well, there you go. Music is a pro-drug dealer movie. That's that's its main selling point. Drug dealers are people too. (laughs) They can help you with your actual medication. (laughs) Look, in uh, in summary, don't see music. Just just don't. There's nothing really in there that's worth seeing. No. Um, and if you're, yeah, if you're looking for good autistic representation, look elsewhere. There, T- are... T- there are some very good TV shows. Like, yeah. if, if you want really good um, disability representation, I'd say Speechless. Oh, but far and away, Speechless yeah. is amazing. Autistic specifically, um, Everything's Gonna Be Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Is probably my favourite. Yes. Because I, I like comedies that also say something. And they're both comedies that also say something. Whereas Atypical got very heavy... So if you're okay with heavy stuff, atypical I think is good. Uh, parenthood doesn't get as heavy, and its re- and its representation is good. Yeah. Um, it's not centered like it begin. I think the the start of it is about autism, but it's really about an entire family. So the autistic plot lines are mixed in with everything else, which is fine. Yeah. Because it's about you know two or three generations of a family. Yeah. And all their different things. Um, but yeah, like I, I would recommend watching all those over music. Mm. I, like if you want to watch Sia inspired musical videos with someone who's kind of doing slightly autistic movements in them. Yeah. Then you could just watch the clips on YouTube. The clips on YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, there's not, there's nothing really good in music. Mm. And on that note, thanks for listening. Remember to share, subscribe, comment, do all the good stuff to spread the word of the atypical rainbow. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you next time.